1: Of course, geeks. Flight 72 to Chicago. That is a great city. I know. You know, man, I used to live there briefly when I was almost a kid. I must have been 12 years old. That's probably also the last time I actually visited the airport. (laughs) ORD. Yes. Multiple airports, right? Yes, that's that's a
0: hell of an airport, which we'll get into. But it's such a great city. And I hadn't been like you in a long, long time until last year. And I just rediscovered it and fell in love with it. And I think, and this is a very controversial statement, I think it's my favorite city in
1: America that I've been to right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. I, I just dig I, it. When I was younger, I would always tell if I were to move to the US, I would be either in New York or Chicago. These are my two places. They, they're different, right? I'm not saying they're, they're the same, different. but they're, they're, I feel great in them. Yeah, me too. Me too. Great city. We had a request, actually, to do Oslo, because you've been there. We'll talk about that yeah. as well. It was a iTunes review, five stars. Thank you so much, from Dark Cho 85 I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. I mean, these <laughs> <laughs> iTunes user I know, they're so funny. You can glean <laughs> uh, literally nothing from them. <laughs> great podcast about almost everything in aviation. The chemistry is great. Topics interesting and the knowledge is superb. Keep it up, guys. Best regards from Norway. Uh, and he asked, I assuming is a he, Will you do an episode with Oslo? We did it actually in episode 32, but we'll do it again, obviously, because now we're starting to revisiting some of the airports and also because... We're starting to run out of airports. I think I think I flew to approximately 100 airports in my life. So we still have like airports to do. But yeah. when we go to one, we would like to revisit because we might have new things to say. And also, airports are living organisms. They change. Uh, well,
0: absolutely. I think that's the key. I, I have a few coming up that I've never been to before. But for a while there, I was
1: revisiting old ground, which is fine. There's just not much that to talk yeah. about. <laughs> I'm actually very excited to uh, a few ones that you are going to visit for the first time, but I've never been. So yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it'll be. uh it'll be an interesting experience. And, you know, I'll mention, for instance, Singapore, where I was uh, literally uh, a week ago. And, you know, it's changing. It's These airports are changing super fast. Of course, Singapore, we know it's one of the best in the world. And it keeps getting better. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Two things that are not exactly airline related. But first, you know, I lived through the worst 36 hours in my life this week, because Brooklyn Nine-Nine was canceled by Fox. And, you know, when I fly, there's two things I watch, Family Guy and Brooklyn Line 9. But thank God, and I wanted to give a shout out, NBC picked it up so now I can be able to continue watching Brooklyn yeah, Line 9.
0: Yeah, <laughs> again, totally off topic, but I've always wondered how often that happens. I don't th- Is there much precedent for a, a U.S. major network cutting a show and then it being picked up by a competitor? Ma- Scrubs. Competing major ne- Scrubs. Good one. Probably the only one I'm thinking about, to be honest with you, because often it will go like from major to then you know from like Fox to Comedy Central or Cartoon Network or something for something like Uh, CW yeah CW yeah yeah. yeah. that's yeah Scrubs is a good shout
1: wow there you go. One more season at least. <laughs> and the other thing that we don't do, but uh, that you guys do at Massachusetts Nation is having a drink whilst uh, recording. One of the reason is first because it's only 11 a.m. now that we're recording today, yeah. m- m- Monday. <laughs> on, a, on a Monday. Monday yeah. <laughs> on a Monday, 14th of May. And see, guys, you know, we keep saying that we won't have time, but we found like this two hours and we'll quickly do an episode because the next one will be actually very late because we're literally All over flying planet. for three weeks now. So I'm not sure when we're going to have it. Uh, the other thing is that um Hibiki whiskey is discontinued, man,
0: yeah, that's pretty distressing, and you asked me this morning what uh what I was drinking on the layovers mastication Nation crossover episode, and it was it was that, and then you yeah. sent me this very distressing news that. It has been discontinued because they're running out of aged whiskey,
1: right, in Japan. Absolutely. How is that I th- possible? Someone clearly hadn't done their homework. I think what happened is that, you know, Japanese whiskey has been hyped in the past five years, suddenly it became like this worldwide phenomenon. And I just I think they just didn't have enough stock. They're saying in the same article it was on Forbes that they will be more careful in the future and they will start building up again stock for the success that they've been having. That so yeah, well yeah, well me too, clearly. <laughs> The link with aviation, that's the whiskey that's being offered in JAL. Japan Airlines offers Ibiki, I think, in business and first class. Yes. Uh, I don't know if they will stop though. We'll see. <laughs> I have no idea. And it's obviously very, you know, very famous as well for Sunshine Time, you know, the famous uh, lost in translation movie as well. Um, you've asked guys because it was a great episode of mustard one. We mentioned in the past episode, our own past episode, your brother was asking whether or not mustard was uh, given in flights, and he mentioned Swiss, or we yes. say. I believe, indeed, I try. I was trying to remember when Swissair was on. I believe they were offering a tube of mustard. I'm not sure that they do now because I haven't seen it in a while. But since Swiss does uh, flew them recently, these things that every 30 days they emphasize one regions of Switzerland oh, and nice. their food. I remember having once a little tube of tomy <laughs> accompanying some eggs or something. There was even like a little a flyer explaining you how. How to actually use the tube Uh, and how to what to put over the egg, etc., etc. So it was yeah, it's pretty fun. What a great
0: idea!
1: Uh, They also offer grain mustard in their sandwiches on Swiss. If you ever want that Uh, in their lounges, you can find them actually. Lufthansa, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that somebody had tweeted us at some point in the past three years a picture. of... Of some mustard e thing on Lufthansa. Listen, guys, I don't remember we did this. If you ever flown Lufthansa and had mustard as an extra, please let us know. <laughs> was it was it on a sandwich? No, I think it was part of the meal. Oh, and like in a,
0: just an aside, a company
1: Yeah, an aside, yeah, which uh, yeah. Air France does that. Air France, I remember Long Haul Air France. I haven't flown them Long Haul for a while, but used to give that in business class as, you know, a condiment, something you would add on, you know, your steak, for instance. So that was the French version of it, obviously. Dijon, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, if you don't know what we're talking about, you should listen to the episode of Mastication Nation because it's a really fun one. And thank you for the shout-outs, by the way. My I pleasure. really appreciate that. And also, it was a... Uh, Milestone because for the first time, Will didn't use the term vector, but you did. I did. Yes, vector for
0: for delivery. That's <laughs> that's too much, Elton Brown for him. His <laughs> culinary god, but yeah, uh, I think there's there's more to the to the airplane food discussion to come. I think I I, I find it interesting. I think because I'm a food dork as yeah, well I as know. a plane dork. And I I know people are very dismissive about airplane food. I find the whole thing fascinating. It doesn't mean I necessarily endorse the quality. I just think it's interesting. I fully agree. It's, it's
1: an art and a science at the same time. So 100%. Well, uh, by definition, food is, but you'd you think you're more in 30,000 feet The air is actually uh, also yeah. one. Um, uh, since we just talked about Uftanza, uh, <laughs> the new color, <laughs> have you seen the difference?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't see the difference. Uh, you sent me a picture of the book because they did this. We talked about this, I think, three or four episodes ago. They'd done the rebranding and then they paused very sensibly to evaluate it and said the quote unquote blue looked a little bit black in certain lights. So they tweaked it. Apparently. <laughs> I can't see it myself, but I, I'm not. I'm not a designer. I don't have a designer's brain. So can you see it? Well, you know what it's
1: it's one of the things you'd say uh, is it the same color with a different light as in you know the sun just shines on it and it's actually lighter or is it actually a different color? I mean, I'm sure of course it is a different color because we know they've said it, but it's not as if the difference is so stark, right? It's like a little bit. Yeah, I guess. it's
0: it's definitely bluer. <laughs> definitely bluer because they're right. I mean, the the picture that they're and again, who knows these are these are pictures in different light environments, ones on the ground, ones in the air, different airplanes, probably different paint and all that. So have you seen one in the flesh yet?
1: No, I Neither was have uh, I. like I think was it the last episode I mentioned I was in Munich and I was looking for one and I didn't find any. They were all still in the old livery. But they said that this livery because they paused it, will not be there before they actually decide on probably the right blue color or something. <laughs> so, no, I haven't seen it. I, 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 I don't know. I, I flew Swiss afterwards, so there was none as well at Zurich, but more, that's more obvious. So, no, I, we're probably going to see them very soon. I, and, again, I commend Lufthansa's approach to this whole exercise. I think oh, that they've absolutely. nailed it. Taylor Moore at T Moore 4000 actually tweeted you guys out says he started binge listening after I ran out of layovers episode. Sorry, Taylor, we, we cannot put them out faster than this. Uh, so he says to you guys, it's a great podcast. Uh, and he, in regards to airport food, although being a dumpster fire in all other regards, <laughs> LAX has decent food now. You know what?
0: It gets a lot of hate, but that airport is getting so much better than it used to be. But Dumpster yeah. Fire made me chuckle. I like
1: that. <laughs> me too. Oh, since since we're on that, you still are offering a signed copy uh, for the book. Yes. The Attaché Travel book. And I know that you're giving parts of the proceedings to the Nolan Trust. Yes. Um, people can find, of course, simply by following you, Cube Dweller on Twitter. Yep. Uh, or attachetravel.net is where you can find the books. And if you use the
0: promo code layovers. There's a cheeky little discount in it for you. But yeah, the we give twenty five percent of the price of the the signed copy to the Anthony Nolan Trust who match stem cell donors with people that need a stem cell transplant. So they they do good work. Uh, so thank you for mentioning that. I appreciate it.
1: No, of course, of course. And I'll keep mentioning it because I think it's actually a worth uh, enterprise. Uh, it's still on Mastication Nation, I don't want to talk about food all the time, but there was a, I think your brother was mentioning something very interesting about the distribution of, uh, of beers, right? And Greg McCormick, uh, was it him that mentioned that yeah. Betsy is actually no more, that yeah. the beer from Cathay Pacific has actually stopped?
0: It's such a shame. Yeah, Craig Craig is a, uh, a brewer himself. And yeah. so is is. Is has his ear in that network, as it were, and <laughs> has heard that it's no more. And as you said on Twitter, they did say from the beginning that it was a limited edition yeah. thing. But I, you know, I think the re- reception that it received it could have been this is a gimmick and this beer is crap because people generally are quite snobby about their beer, but it was incredibly well-received. It feels like one of those things that you just go large with. It yeah, exactly. It becomes another Could
1: point of exposure. Maybe there's still some stock somewhere. Probably they're not giving them out in air. And that's the that's a pity because that's actually where it actually is good, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. It really was a very good beer. So I am sad to hear. I'm gl- I, I have a bottle up on my shelf, unopened, <laughs> which I, th- I think I'm just going to keep.
1: I only have the coaster. Oh, I don't have a coaster. They gave it to me when they served it to me last year in cathedrastic. Oh, uh, but I, I didn't. I didn't keep the bottle because I didn't have room for it. But yeah, and it was empty anyway. <laughs> I just undrunked it. Yeah. <sighs> Other things that happened because you know the not only the world of aviation goes fast as you keep saying Alex, but also the world goes fast. And in two weeks, it's amazing what happened. First, yeah. uh, well, suddenly we went from a state of war to a peace agreement in, in Korea. I mean, of course, it's still ongoing. I'm not saying here that everything is settled, but. Actually, the ICAO has received a demand, a request, sorry, from the North Korean government to open routes between Pyongyang and Seoul. That's incredible. Yeah, it is, right? It goes so fast. I mean, again, we don't know, but I mean, I'm, I want to be an optimist. I want to be hopeful. And I hope that this, you know, no matter where it goes, that there's peaceful relationship. And yeah, I remember Tony Tyler used to say that, you know, the airline industry is a force for good. Yeah, because people travel to meet each other and yeah. they become less aggressive. So I really hope that it happens.
0: I do too. And I, I read recently that there's, there's discussions in place now to open up the airspace as well. They want people to come in and modernize the infrastructure so they can reopen the airspace for overflight as well, which
1: would uh, would, would change quite a lot. And also for Korean Air, because as I told you guys, when I flew Korean Air from Seoul to London, you could see on the moving map that you know, the flight was clearly avoiding North yeah, Korean you, airspace. Exactly. Because, you know, uh, Incheon, if you guys don't know, just look it up on Google Maps, it's very, very close to the border, actually. So they had to do, like, this massive turn to kind of avoid. That would solve uh, some issues for them and also make uh, have a more direct route Big back time. to Europe. That's great. That's great. Good. I watched with, uh, with
0: bated breast and o- breast. <laughs> <laughs> bated breath
1: and optimism. It can be both. They can be both. <laughs> the, Trump will meet Kim in Singapore, Singapore on yeah. June 12th. The interesting bit is why Singapore? So obviously, obviously Singapore, a bit like Switzerland, is, is this very uh, stable place and offers good services, etc. But also, uh, there was concerns on how far could the private plane for the government of North Korea actually fly to. What is it? <laughs> I don't know. It's some kind of Russian. Thing, yeah, I yeah. Guess. Uh, probably an Air
0: Koreo They if, couldn't do it in, in you know, Geneva. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would not be. Possible. Although, didn't Kim Jong Un go to boarding school in Geneva?
1: Or in yes yeah. in switzerland i think in switzerland like you know i think at a french bar there's a lot of boarding schools right there so yeah that's where he grew up partially indeed uh, his father you remember he never he was afraid of flying yes, so he took a was, train everywhere yeah he would go to with a train to moscow you know <laughs> it's like crazy at least the son i mean for all the wrongs he did at least he's flying so and you know what i still want to fly air Corio.
0: me too me too and i think we're 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 much more likely
1: now, it sounds like. Yeah, you know. Exactly. Absolutely. On the opposite end, Trump pulled back from the deal in Iran. Again, here not to talk about politics, but the big hit here is Boeing because Boeing was signing a deal with Iran Air to provide them with aircrafts. Yeah. And suddenly that could change the game because, not because of they would be prohibited from doing so, but because they won't be guaranteed. you know. They have this uh, bank, the Ex- Export-Import Bank in the U.S. that supports, including the sales of aircraft. It's being used. I mean, Europe is the same. There's uh, many countries have a similar type of credit lines. Well, that bank would not guarantee anymore that deal, which means that suddenly it could be opening the door to Airbus.
0: Yeah, and I think that there was some licensing, or some license was rescinded by Iran as well for Boeing to complete that deal. So. And, and they were scrutiny over Airbus as well, I think which is one of the many reasons, many, many reasons why Europe said, no, no, we' would really like to keep this deal in place. So it's complicated and, and yeah. I, but but you're right, Boeing have felt. I think the, what was the book value of that order 38 billion? That was something massive. like that it was huge. and of course, they didn't pay 38 billion, but the, that's a lot of money. So it'll be very interesting to see where we end up with this politically and from an aviation
1: perspective. And obviously, so the stock of Boeing went down after the announcement. The stock of uh, Northrop and Lockheed went up because, you know, they do fighter jets. Yeah, anyway. Uh, But, you know, it could be the art of the deal. You know, it could be like similar to North Korea. They say nothing is working anymore to push to make peace. Let's hope so. We'll see where uh, that uh, goes indeed. (laughs) Another thing that happened whilst we were not recording was uh, May the 4th. You know, that became this uh, Star Wars day uh, every year. and. Ethro did something so, so cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they they did for such a for such a state environment. This was delightful. They had on their boards at least a T five, uh, maybe in other terminals as well. They had a departure boards with included flights to so Tatooine, Camino, Jakku, Endor, etc. Alderaan, of course, was cancelled because it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I mean, it was so I mean clever. so 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 good. Uh, of course, the, the flight numbers were the R two T two, you know, C three PO, BB eight, Wuk key with the i being one i mean you know good marketing and good fun
0: yeah it was a really nice touch in it and it it did exactly what they wanted it to do and it went and I hate this word "viral," and people got a real <laughs> kick out of it. I it, it
1: did really, really good idea. I love the the flight for the Death Star. Allow extra time for boarding, possibly a trap. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that one. <laughs> That's actually pretty, pretty fun. So yeah, cutest, cutest ether because it was really, really cool. Uh, talking about science fiction stuff, I don't know if you've seen because you know Airbus is doing some type of uh, flying taxi, flying personal drone, whatever. Yeah, and Uber just uh, released their designs for their, I will call them spaceports because they want to not only offer that kind of transportation model, but also they would like to build literally spaceports. You look at this, thing, do you really think that one day we'll have massive skyscrapers where you can simply go and hop on these things and go to, I don't know, man. I don't know either,
0: but I've, the last month of, of with everything that's happened with, korea and iran has taught me to never say never so yeah absolutely <laughs> who knows probably who knows?
1: <laughs> well i hope so you know it would be fun to live in science fiction you know it's just and some of the designs some of the because you you know they did a competition and and, and architecture firms came up with designs. some of them are actually pretty cool actually where they, they really look like space sports. Yeah. like you would board to the death star actually <laughs> uh, Talking about something that we wish was science fiction, but it's not, uh, smart luggage. Every single episode we used to talk about it. We kind of stopped a blue smart folded. Yeah, they. I think because so many airlines, and
0: actually this is one of the reasons they cited. Although it was probably the least offensive reason they cited, where a lot of airlines banned them almost overnight, within sort of days of each other doing it because they're stupid and dangerous. Uh, and so they've, they've said, unless you can remove the batteries, which obviously negates one of the major features of it, then you can't bring them on board. It was as dumb, I don't know, I was thinking about this when I was traveling recently. There's a lot of ads in inflight magazines for reinventing luggage. And I'm like, we cracked luggage 500 <laughs> years ago. We don't, need to do, we don't need to do this. Let's go apply all this design and you know, ergonomic genius to an actual problem.
1: The scraps of the company, let's say, has been acquired by Travel Pro, which is the luggage actually used. They do great uh, work. I don't know what they're going to use. Probably they're going to, you know, at the end of the day, the biggest problem with Blue Smart is that due to the new regulation that says that you need to be able to remove electronics equipment from the luggage, yeah. Blue Smart had a design where everything was integrated and badly integrated because wires were kind of all over the place. Mm. Uh, whereas other makers, uh, you simply you move, you have a basically you have a small pod and you can you can put just... a battery there or remove it. Which to me, if it's not a smart luggage, but why not? I mean, at the end of the day, and so. Probably Probably that's what Travel Pro might do is include some stuff where you can put a battery in <laughs> and charge you. but that's that's not smart.
0: And also, I mean, there I'm sure that there were some and are some very talented people in that organization who correct, who who build the luggage themselves and you know, the integrated scale and all of that other stuff that it had espresso machine that they, that, that <laughs> travel pro would get a lot of value from the, from those brains. So it might've been yeah. one of those, uh, yeah. those acquisitions.
1: And let's remember though, that the founder of blue smart was a bit of a dick because he was attacking reviewers. Yes. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, payback. I, I still don't see a lot of smart luggages around I travel. And we do travel a lot. And I see most people yeah. having like normal luggages going out loud. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, again, I, I'm skeptical that
0: we can take luggage to the future any more than we already have
1: science fiction is also uh, probably some of the unions that are France are thinking because uh, they oh, are God. striking literally every three days. It's, it's really bad right now. So, uh, I mean, you know, the, the, the cliches that France uh, strikes all the time to a certain extent it's true. You know, so the, the, railway in France, SNCF hasn't seen a single year since 1956 without a strike. So, yeah, they do. Strikes. That's an extraordinary <laughs>
0: statistic.
1: <laughs> yeah, right now there's a big, big, big battle that led to the actual dismiss, not a dismissal, the CEO resigned. He said, I cannot do it. There's no way I can do it. I gave it my whole and I'm quitting. So there's Air France has no CEO. The numbers, if you look at the Air France KLM group are okay, but the good numbers come from actually KLM and some of the subsidiaries like Hop and Transavia. Air France itself is not Doing that great. The crew wants uh, more money, which again, you know, I understand in a more selfish way. The pilots who are already being paid, I think, 250,000 euros a year, which I'm not here, I'm not saying it's, you know, they should be paid less, but they're also asking for 7% or 5% or remember, a raise. The thing is, really, Air France is suffering. They cannot make the numbers work. And I really don't see how it's going. And to the point that if they keep striking, because the announcements are like, there's going to be strikes all over the summer, only in May, right? Uh, Some people even say that Air France could actually go bankrupt over this. There were a lot of articles in some of the the
0: respected business journals that were basically saying the writing is on the wall and Air France could be one of the biggest... Airline casualties in in a since the sort of Pan Am and TWA days, yeah, uh, which would be in my mind a tragedy. I don't think Air France as a name would disappear, but I think you may see, you know, one of these blockbuster bankruptcies. And I don't know how the law works in France and in the EU in general, but where the name is saved and private equity comes in and, and acquires it, and basically they build an airline from scratch and they they do what the American airlines did and they they bankrupt the company to void the union liabilities contracts. yeah 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 and pension and yeah. liabilities and all that which of course screws <laughs> tens of thousands of i mean destroys lives but yeah yeah uh, and I'm, is that worth preserving a, a storied brand absolutely
1: not but that's probably the tack that will it will take sadly The complication here is that uh, the government still owns part of the company. Macron wants to, the president of France, wants to kind of rejuvenate the French economy. And they have very bluntly said that this time there's no saving. This time the government will not intervene and put money. First of all, you know, they can't put money that easily because of European rules for competition. But anyway, they say they won't do anything. Okay, so who's going to buy it? IAG or the ME3?
0: <laughs> the Or Chinese. Delta? Or the Chinese? Yeah, Hainan. Well, the Hainan group is,
1: aren't they just riddled with debt? Yeah, I think they, they expanded way too quickly, way yeah. too crazily and, you know, everything financed by debt. And I think that would, that's hitting their back. Yeah. Not to say yeah. another word, right? Staying in in Europe, Airbus, we were a bit both sad about this. We were not surprised, though. Airbus has announced that the Bombardier C-Series will be renamed as going to be the A200, for crying out loud. Yeah, we did kind of assume that was going to happen. It's still a neat airplane. I'm glad they didn't kill it. It's a nice addition to their portfolio because they're smaller capacity. Yeah, they don't they have just... anything like that, do they? Exactly. So this is well below the A320, A319, twenty uh, and twenty-one. So it's perfect, but. Some people were not expected that they would actually change the name altogether, but it makes sense probably on a you know marketing. So it's one yeah, brand yeah. of yeah. aircrafts. So, uh, I just saw I was in I was in Zurich uh, last week going to Athens, and I saw uh, for the first time uh, 300 uh, Swiss. They have now more 300s than 100s because it converted some of the orders. And they, the plane looks really cool. Sadly, it was not the one I was I was on. I was on a 321. I was like, I really want, it. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to try it. I'm wondering. Will the old ones, or the ones that have been delivered, also be renamed? I was like, just
0: thinking that when they have one of their their heavy checks, will they just apply a new decal? That probably, <laughs> probably, yeah. At the end of the day, which raises the question: What will Boeing do with Embraer? Well, I think that even makes it more likely that they'll suddenly be the what
1: would they be? <laughs> exactly, because that's the thing. The seven one seven was already the MD whatever, MD you know, the 8X, was a yeah which is actually highly in demand there's only like less than 100 uh, 717s but they're really fighting over that aircraft so maybe they'll just call them boeing e-jets or yeah maybe it's it's hard to imagine
0: them although they'll have to do it eventually going to the boeing 800 series
1: yeah but that's the thing i was thinking the same thing at one point they're running out of numbers with the seven right so what did, what did they do? They could rename something with 717, though, or 707, and they could do it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, be interesting well, to see what they do. Talking about the 747, Qantas is announcing that they will retire the last one by 2020. <sighs> oh, well, what can we do that? You
0: know uh, what I have to say? I was flying out of, out of T5. I don't know what I was on it. I, a, a small regional, A319 or A320. And we turned around the corner at a window seat. Obviously, it was sort of maybe eight o'clock in the morning, and there was a seven forty-seven waiting for us to pull out. And it looked, wow. it looked like a lion, just <laughs> waiting majestically in the morning sun. I know it sounds nerdy, but it just—I wasn't expecting it.
1: and Just seeing it there, like, yeah, that's a cool plane. That's yeah. a cool plane. It is. It still. It still is. The three eighties, not as cool. I mean. We love it, but it's true that in terms of watching it, it's really massive, looks like a whale or something. Yeah. (laughs) So in keeping with that whale tradition, ANA just released their designs for the 380s they're going to get. So these are planes they're going to use exclusively to go to Hawaii, which is a very popular destination for honeymoons in Japan. The livery will be a, a fish in three different colors. One, I think, is blue. The one is turquoise or whatever. Yeah. And the last one is orange. And they have names that mean, if I remember, one means ocean. That's I think the green one. Turquoise is ocean. The orange one, I think, means sunset. And the first one means sky. But it, it's really cool. They're very joyful. Places. They look beautiful. The
0: orange one especially
1: is very striking. Uh, so Lani. Kai and, and Kala, I, I'm sorry, I weigh in French because I have no idea how to pronounce it. It's also very nice that they would use terms from Hawaii and not Japanese terms to yeah. friend those. Uh, I find it a very nice touch.
0: I wonder, I mean, three A380s on that route is pretty amazing. I wonder if we'll see them occasionally in places like Hong Kong or other short-ish haul but high-density routes. I mean, Japan, obviously, is famous for its need for high-density routes, but these aren't configured as high-density airports. No, because
1: they have, on the upper deck, there's a first class with a bar in front. Of course, the bar, because, you know, in front, there's you cannot put seats at some point. That's where Emirates puts their showers and whatever. There's a, a second bar in between, the uh first and uh, business and then there's premium economy I think at the back of the upper deck and a bar as well at the very end of that premium economy clearly at least from the the mockups not as big as the bar you'd find on a uh, Emirates uh, 380 and on the below deck it will be the uh um, economy and interestingly at the back end on the below deck they will have they call that ANA couch. It's an economy seat, but that can you can sleep on it. Yeah,
0: like Air New Zealand's. Although it looks a little bit more robust than the Air New Zealand one. And there's a room at,
1: at the end. I don't know what they say. They call it a multi-purpose room. It seems to be open for passengers, so I don't know if it's just for people to stretch their legs or something. Or...
0: It, it's in, it's a, I'm, I cannot wait
1: to see these in the sky. Yeah. And they're also putting lots of lightning. I mean, we know that Airbus now, uh, with their, uh, I think it's called airspace, they provide, you know, 14 million different LEDs or something in great colors. So they, they already are shown a bit of the colors are going to play, like very joyful again, you know, because it's a honeymoon destination.
0: Right? Yeah, well, exactly. I, I was reading the the One Mile at a Time report on this, but I, I'm not
1: 100% sure when they're supposed to launch these services. I think it's in two years, if oh, wow. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's not right now, but I, I'm not planning to go to Hawaii not to get a honeymoon in Hawaii, but, you know, I would definitely try to find. Yeah. I went to... I took, uh, what was it? I think it was Northwest. Was it already Delta back then? Uh, No, Northwest from uh, Narita to Honolulu. And uh, I wish I had done that in the 380 that looks like a fish. (laughs) It's It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Talking about cool, uh, China Easter, I haven't flown them in 10 years, but China Easter has uh, released a livery for one of their 330s to infinity and beyond. It's Buzz Lightyear. It looks super, super cool as well. It does look cool, it
0: does look cool and i cuz i forgot that they're doing another one of those movies i was like why are you this movie came out years and years ago why are you doing this now but i forgot <laughs> they've got disneyland there of course and they've got a new movie coming out eventually i don't know when
1: the interior as well is very playful because uh it's mostly it's mostly a play with uh you know the cushions and uh i mean it's not as if the seats the seats are just blue but it's joyful it's fun i enjoy that you know it's, yeah. it shows that you, it shows that i mean of course they had to pay licensing rights and everything but it shows that you don't have to always go full crazy on every single item in the aircraft to make it fun. Sometimes it's just about, you know, do something with Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, really yeah well. exactly. Since we're in China, Guangzhou just opened a new terminal. It's absolutely, absolutely huge. They say that's Terminal 2, uh, capacity of 45 million people. Holy I mean, <laughs> yeah, 339 check-in counters. The scale of China for me is just baffling
0: yeah i think they're being very sensible about this because they know that the demand is growing exponentially and will continue to grow so you might as well to the best you can future
1: proof your airport infrastructure i want to see these airports Yeah, me too i really want to see them because they they look really massive um so talking about going to asia wow the icelandic airline Will open routes to Asia. Uh, that's what the CEO said. I find it a bit surprising because flying to first Iceland to go to China mm. seems a bit counterintuitive. From the U.S. first to Iceland to then China seems completely yeah, counterintuitive. That's yeah. So well, but they still they want to open fourteen routes. Apparently, that's what they say. Yeah. And trying to be that uh, DXB, that Dubai in the north of the Atlantic. Uh, there's two things strategy. Geography, like I just said, it's not as easy. But second, uh, I don't know if you've been recently to Reykjavik, KEF. It's um, constrained. That's yeah, yeah. A, so I don't know how you add all these people transiting there. They will have to like triple the size of an airport. They really want to become a Dubai of the north.
0: Yeah, because they are talking about not just China, but India as well. Uh, some routes there. And I know that Helsinki, its northernness has been key to Finnair's strategy of serving Asia because uh, Helsinki to somewhere like Shanghai or Tokyo, Tokyo is yeah. is actually not that far relatively. because no, you're going across the the top the Northern, of the globe. The, the polar route, yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe there's something there. I I I, I don't know, but it's an aggressive strategy. Uh, uh, clearly, there's money to be made there because the fares, even out of London to Asia, are still competitive. So there's d- and Scoot has obviously come in and a few other low cost carriers.
1: So it'll be interesting to see how this actually plays out. I hope they do it. I hope they succeed. But yeah. it's true that to entice me to go first to Iceland, to then go to, it's three hours from London, yeah. to they go to Asia, where, whereas I have, you know, Helsinki just mentioned is very well placed and actually a very big part of now the One World Strategy, or Norwegian that is opening routes directly to Singapore. It will have to be a very good price to, you know, entice people to do that. Yeah. And, the, and there's when you've the challenges with long haul. Yes,
0: the, the sticker fare may be very attractive, but then bag fees, meals, seat
1: selection, all that, it adds up and people are becoming wise to that. Uh, so I flew to Singapore. Uh, we already. Talked about Singapore so many times. I'll try to be short. And I flew again with Emirates. uh, Did you know via Dubai, and then I had to go to work to Dubai. So I was seeing when I landed there the that jewel. You know that uh, new. It's not a terminal because it's a thing that will link all the terminals. Besides maybe T4, it will be like a shopping destination. There will be like a hundred thousand trees and like a waterfall from forty meters. You know, in the right middle. It's like a
0: free falling waterfall, right? That's not coming off the edge
1: of something. Yeah, that's going to be spectacular. It's probably quite noisy. Yeah, (laughs) I'm wondering about that as well. And I think they will do projections of images on this waterfall because they will act as some kind of screen, obviously. There's been a video, I think uh, Peter Johnson on Facebook shared it with me first. There's an article on the Straits Times as well that shows mock-ups and where the the construction is sitting at now. It's opening next year, 2019. And uh, you said, it's like they're trying to tell us how shit all the er other airports are. Yeah, they're like, this is how good you could have it. (laughs) <laughs> it's just it's it's really crazy anyway I'm, I'm looking forward to next year I don't know I don't know which month is going to open but clearly all the panels that we know the windows I think that were specially made in the US or something have been installed they were like clearly done so from the outside it looks done of course the inside has still a few months off I don't know how it's going to work how you're going to connect with it because it sits right in the middle yeah. uh, around all where you know you would stop uh, and having pick up and, and drop off probably underground tunnels I don't know we'll see so yeah, I mean, Singapore, man, just this airport is, I understand why it's always number one. I mean, I went, I was terminal one, which is the. All dust, so it's. I, I still like it. I, I hate the freaking carpet, as as you guys know. But yeah, well, I th- again, I think they do that on purpose. uh Singapore man, as as always, I love it. Lots of uh, lots of food, obviously. <laughs> You've been to the Maxwell, I have. Uh, yeah, I, I would not recommend it, guys, these days, because now there's so much construction around it. They're re- revamping the entire area. That it feels completely isolated. Yeah, it's hard to get a taxi there as
0: well. I found even with the taxi apps, you just seem to wait and wait and wait and wait and maybe that's why they don't want
1: to get caught up in all that it's not going to disappear guys but i think right now because of the construction around it's actually uh maybe not the best option for food courts and usually i love going to the food Fullerton Bay, which is a fantastic hotel. And I can find deals, but this one was a very last-minute trip, and it was way too expensive. And I learned as well that the ASEAN Summit was going at the same time, so the price Uh. of the hotels are crazy. I ended up going into uh, Sofitel, so Sofitel. Very, very nice. I mean, you've seen, uh, I put some pictures on my Instagram. Fantastic, fantastic hotel. And next door is a La passeat food court. I've never been park. to that place. Ten years ago, the, correlating with Maxwell, ten years ago, there was almost no skyscrapers around it. There was a little bit of construction. And I honestly didn't realize that it was the same place I was uh, <laughs> because, because it was like, holy cow, there's only skyscrapers around it. So probably it was, was going to happen to Maxwell. You know, the, the building and... In a few years, it's going to be uh, very nice, surrounded by newish buildings. But It's it's, it's, it's comforting just, to know that
0: they'll always be there, because if they ever touch them, there will be such a massive local and international
1: outcry. <laughs> exactly. And since you mentioned taxis, uh, I mentioned in the last episode, was it two episodes ago, that you know Grab was buying the Uber, Uber yeah. uh, operations in Southeast Asia. The Uber drivers are really unhappy. It, it has happened, because it was May 8th or 9th, today May 14th, as I mentioned, so it has happened. And customer service is not the same. I'm not saying, guys, you shouldn't use Grab, but really, it's not as good as, as Uber in terms of customer service. Oh, uh, really? In terms of, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh- I mean, just ask people in Singapore and they'll all shout at how bad it is sometimes. And the drivers themselves are also very concerned because it was a week before when I went, obviously. Uh, So anyway, just that you know that Uber doesn't work there anymore. Probably if you go to Uber, they will tell you, I don't know, uh, download Grab or something. I don't know how it works. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm interested to see how that transition will take place. Uh, At Singapore itself, so still the only thing I don't like about you is the security at the gate. I really, you know, that that just breaks my rhythm. I'm like, oh, I still need to clear security. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh. But the the very interesting thing uh, is that now there's signs everywhere, Terminal 1, but apparently Terminal 2 and 3 as well, I'm not sure about 4, that says that it is an arrestable offense to enter the transit area if you do not intend to travel, even if you have a boarding pass. So at first I was a bit puzzled, I mean... If you have a boarding pass, it means that you intend to travel. Yeah. But they do checks. They do double checks. Uh So the, you have the e-gates or, of course, simply the person who will scan your boarding pass. But before you do that, 30 meters before so it's almost useless. You have another uh, stop, another check, and they make sure that you want to travel. Why would they do that? So one of the theories I had was like, where are people going for very low-cost travels that they want to cancel to get some you know, duty-free shopping deals and then going out. Because again, since there's no security, once you get, you have access to duty-free, you have access to all yeah. the amenities and then you can just go out. Uh, another friend of mine, Andres N, uh, at the ex-city of Spotify who lives in, in Singapore, told me maybe it's for a celebrity sighting. Maybe people are going there because since we exit uh, and that's enter. interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. And even how can they check? Even if I have a boarding pass and I, and I tell them, yeah, of course I'm traveling. Will they track me down to make sure I'm actually tra- I, I don't right. know. I, I mean, I said, I think my my
0: theory is that it's people who want to go and use the lounge. Yeah. Because that, that. that guy that we talked about many, many moons ago uh, that would go, booked a flight and rescheduled it every day for like a year just so he could go in and eat and drink <laughs> in, in the lounge for free And f- before they finally got wise to him. This guy was not called Alexander, by the way. Guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that is something I would do. Uh I, the the other perhaps slightly more sinister explanation is that it's terrorism related. Yeah, maybe. There was always concern that, you know, an airport is a is a bottleneck where a lot of people are gathered in very high density and but Singapore seems unlikely for that to be a thing, but maybe they're just getting ahead of it. So. Yeah, maybe, and of course maybe.
1: they'll never tell us the reason because Of course not. But it sounds very strange to have a double check because you're like, okay, but the next check will be exactly the same as the one you just did. But anyway, it's it's interesting that they have that. It's not a bottleneck per se, by the way. It's not a huge problem. No, no, no. It's no, a bit, no, uh, just, just it's a bit strange. And these signs that were not there last time I flew, it was, I think, November not September last year, are clearly all over the place. So it seems to be something that has been happening. I don't know exactly what it is. The guide you just mentioned, it was in China, like Xi'an, it was in 2015 maybe, 2014, right. Xi'an Airport. And it was, in, like you said, going to the lounge, eating, cancelling his flight because it was full fare, and doing that every day or something. So good. <laughs> so so crazy. But the one thing that was very notable, and I told you as well, was uh, lots of Qantas planes. So really, they have shifted kind of back to Singapore. There's still Qantas planes in, in, in Dubai, where I was next. But clearly, you could feel that the presence of Qantas is very now heavy, as it used to be like 15 years ago at Singapore. That's,
0: yeah, it's... We talked about this and we were trying to figure out what this strategy is because you were – like you say, they're still – Co-chair with Emirates. Full integration, right. It's not like that deal is dead and they're now going back to something. I wonder if this is a move to basically – okay, we've conquered Emirates. Emirates is is our place. Now let's take the fight to Singapore because they're really our only
1: competitor. I've seen Qantas planes, and they were clearly co-chair Emirates. So you could fly from Singapore to uh, Sydney with Qantas having bought a flight on Emirates. But also the flight I was on that was going from Dubai to Singapore, I was talking, you know, as I usually do to the, to the to the crew, and they were telling me our next stop is Melbourne. And they were grabbing passengers. So the Emirates flies as a fifth-firm route from Singapore to Melbourne huh. as well. So it's, it's, like you said, maybe it's just a coordinated attack to own, not own, but to to bring the fight to Singapore yeah. is a very big, or at big least grass some low
0: low hanging fruit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's no. I mean, I think strategically that alliance has been fantastic for both parties, Qantas and Emirates. Correct. It's it's they're they're good at playing that long game. Both of those airlines. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see if they try and do something similar in Hong Kong. Oh. But, you know, I mean, that's two and a half hours north of Singapore. So perhaps yeah. not as strategically beneficial for
1: Qantas. Exactly. And they can only, only spread so far. I mean, yeah, well, that's yeah that's exactly. Easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of our followers and listeners, Matek Arar, I don't know how to pronounce your name, man. Uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. But he sent us a, a not a picture, like a group picture. There was like multiple pictures of what T4 at Tashangi looks like, which I've never been to. And many looks really cool. You know, it's, it's like a very, again, joyous uh, airport. You can feel that uh, the terminal is very new, obviously, but they've really went a lot with colors and everything. It looks really, really great. Uh, I, I need to, to try and, and fly that. He was saying that. Not only he was there and took pictures for us, but also he was reading Skyfaring by Mark. So I guess you're another AV geek, man. Yeah, that's that is true dedication to the to the movement. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, a few other things about the flights, and I mentioned that because it really puzzled me two times: from Singapore to Dubai, and then Dubai to London a bit later because I sit in Dubai. Both times, I received a different amenity kit from Bulgaria again. So that's what, like six now, six variations in the wild. Yes, I and wonder I was if like, they
0: ship them or if they assemble them in a different. Like they have a few places where they where they
1: warehouse them, and they're just uh, who knows. Uh, so I've looked because I was really puzzled. I said, "This cannot be. Why is it happening?" There's been a press release by Emirates, but 2015. so it's three years ago. When they say that they will be releasing 18 different, if if I'm not mistaken, it's 18, maybe 16 different Bulgari amenity kits. But the ones they put on pictures there are the old ones, you know, the the, the brown ones. Yeah. So simply maybe they continued with that. It's like an Easter egg hunt or something. (laughs) We have like a variation and it's randomized. And if you're lucky like me, because I've been flying a lot of Emirates and I'm flying again at the end of the week... Maybe I'll get uh, other ones as well. So, at least maybe that's simply that. Maybe they just wanted to make like a good marketing thing and offering you like different MMA yeah, kits. I
0: think that that makes a lot of sense because they are highly desirable things. I mean, they're very,
1: very nicely done. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I've kept them all actually. Yeah, uh, now, what I do because I tend to have too much stuff, uh, to be frank, I, I empty them and I keep only the. Um, First of all, I don't need a comb. I'm, I'm bold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, there's a few things I don't, you know. I have like 25 million Bulgari eye cream or something. I'm like, at the end of the day, I don't need them. So yeah. I, I, I now, to, to save space, I usually keep only the the actual uh, kit, the box. The bo- you know? Yeah, the, which they're very nice. Interestingly, as always, it's, it's a very good marketing, by the way. You know, when you enter Emirates and you put your headphones on, the first thing, it's autoplay, is that radio channel, yeah. which is kind of a podcast. Uh, it's great because they had, like, for instance, the, the the head of the tourism board of Dubai, so they explained you what they do. I mean, in terms of pure marketing, it's brilliant. Yeah, it you know? is good. It uh, is good. And I was lucky. It was, again, the time from Tim Clark to be on uh, this podcast, this channel, interviewed by, I don't remember his name, he's a very good interviewer. He is good and uh there's a few few things that i learned that were really good so first he, he mentioned that uh, all the 772s will be reconfigured into class we mentioned that a few episodes ago he says why they bought uh, the dreamliners he said uh, they retired the 332s the 345s and they are retiring some of the 777 200s and so they need something smaller so he admits that you know they also need for some route something a bit smaller and are yeah. very happy with with buying them he mentioned that there's clearly an integration in fly Dubai because now on some medium uh, route, you might be flying fly Dubai. You'll be warned about it. It's not as if, you know, you'd think you fly, uh, uh, Emirates medal, yeah. but that the, the integration will be there. You'll be able to do it and, and earn miles and everything. So it's clearly, it's a close integration. And the most interesting thing probably that we knew was coming. They're introducing premium economy. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's going to be very interesting because it will be.
0: Very good. (laughs)
1: Yeah, uh, probably. They already know where it is. That's an interesting thing. So it's not going to come before 2020, I think. But he clearly said that they still have to make the numbers work. So I don't know maybe how many aircrafts will have it or which routes. But as for the product, they already know the product. And they also know where it's going to be seated in the the 380s. So will it be... Upstairs in the front, uh, where you know some of the now two classes, three uh, eighties have uh, economy. economy. Because what, that would make more sense, wouldn't it? Because you cannot put it, I mean, you cannot, you could, but if you put it in the back of the upper deck, then you don't have access to the bar, which is one of the selling points. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, interesting that they'll, they'll do that. Uh, which makes me, by the way, think that the U.S., since all of them are actually the three majors are introducing premium economy as well. I think Delta is the slowest, but they all are going premium economy, which is something that we, for once, Europe is a bit in advance. We probably have all the, all the airlines Everybody, here, huh? yeah, yeah. All the majors have some sort of intermediary
0: product or yep. intermediate product.
1: He also says two things about the future of uh, air travel, Alex. One is that he doesn't believe that uh, he will see supersonic flight in his lifetime. Okay, he's older than us, but <laughs> he says uh, he's not sure that the economics will work in the short term. Uh, although he said, you would be glad to have a 380 doing uh, Dubai, Sydney three hours. Yeah, so wouldn't we all? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's also unsure, and that I agree with him as well about the planes going full electric. He says yeah, that's also a long way out before yeah. they can uh, have enough, you know, carry enough power to sustain a seven hour flight. I'm much more skeptical about, not
0: skeptical, that's not the right word. Uh, I think realistic in the, in the terms, in long term, about electric than I am about supersonic. I think. I think we will see
1: supersonic flight in our lifetime. It's possible. Concorde has done it. It's just the economics of it yeah. needs to be now, uh, needs to be redone. But I think it's totally, of course, feasible. So we we'll I do, see. too. Uh, and the last one that you will hate that he said, he said yeah, uh, he's just questioning. He's not saying it's going to happen. But, uh, he says that since the technology of virtual windows is so good, and we know they have them in first class, in the newer first class that you can fly from Stansted, uh, in June and Geneva and Brussels right now, he says that, well, you know what? Removing the windows altogether is not maybe a bad idea because it actually reduces the weight of the aircraft augments the, you know, the air penetration. So the slimness of uh, Mm -hmm. the, the, the profile of the aircraft. And, uh, and you can probably offer a very, very similar experience by using virtual windows. And that is something that could actually work. He says also that if you don't have windows, aircraft will probably be able to fly higher, less you know air, so thus faster, and probably also less fuel consumption. He's not saying it's going to happen. He's saying it's something, something that we should think, think about. about. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Well, I mean, I'd say no, but yeah. I haven't flown with the virtual windows. I may say, this is amazing, or I may say, hell no. <laughs> um, there is something, I'll tell you this very quickly, I flew a a full motion simulator, Cathay 777, 200 years ago. And we were shooting the Tak approach. And we did it once, landed, and then it reset. So you fly and you're landed and you're sitting at the end of the runway. And all of a sudden, and it's a very realistic experience, obviously, we click and you're back at 3,000 feet doing 200 knots. That was really disconcerting feeling. Wow. So if you, you know, you can imagine the monitor, like the APU switches and all of a sudden the monitor flickers and what you think is reality, you are reminded in a very uh, jarring manner is not.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, indeed. Oh, wow. I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, for us, maybe because we've been used to have Windows, we, we will never get used to it. I don't know. But that's a very, very good point. There may be a generation that goes, eh? It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they also go into a hyperloops. You know, these things that go underground. Yeah, at the fast that's speed. true. That's and true. they will also have no windows looking, and, yeah. and also virtual things that appear. I don't know. I, I'm still saying that Emirates maybe and some of the traditional airlines, but uh, Ryanair, Southwest will have advertising just there. And I just want to don't want to see that. No. <laughs> someone will, f- yeah, and then someone will figure out how to, how to hack it. Oh, we need to reset the virtual windows, the way they reset, you know, your IFE. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Sorry. You're being like in full darkness for 30 minutes. It would just be, minutes. you know, the, the blue screen of death. Because it's <laughs> Windows XE. and. It's <laughs>
0: not- <laughs> no, thank you. Uh,
1: Tete Anders on Facebook uh, has told us, uh, and she's right, I should have mentioned it, that uh, she said, I heard you talked about how to get to Abu Dhabi flying with Emirates and not Etihad. And says you can book a free bus service, and it's true. If you put even the destination uh, as Abu Dhabi in uh, Emirates' booking system, we will offer you a flight to to Dubai, and then automatically offer you a bus service to to Abu Dhabi. Of course, if you're in business class or in first class and you have access to the chauffeur drive service, Abu Dhabi is within the limits of what they do. So you can use that. But otherwise, it's a free bus service. Uh, and I could do it because I said I want to see the Louvre there. Depending on traffic, it could be an hour and 10 minutes drive or four hours. Right? Yeah, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you can do it. So there you go. Uh, so since we're in the US and still about Emirates, the US had announced they had made a deal with Qatar about you know opening their books and uh, applying like international standards of accounting, while the same deal is seemingly happening with both Etihad and Emirates, yes. which are promised the same.
0: Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what that yields. I think it will have given all the parties involved enough time to uh, <laughs> paint a picture, if you will, of, of exactly what they want the world to know. But uh, I think this was an elegant, everybody saves face way of putting this.
1: Whole thing to bed, yeah, exactly. So everybody kind of wins. Uh, there's no clause in these agreements to say that uh, Etihad, you know, Etihad is not doing that well. But at least Emirates, there's there's no clause that forbids them to increase routes to the US. But we know that they Canada said they won't. Yeah. Uh, so uh, no no more fifth freedom for the moment. So besides Athens and Milan, there's nothing coming up. Okay. So, well, uh, as well, indeed, I might actually do the Athens one soon. I hope so. Uh, it will be actually before we record next because it will be in that three weeks. Yeah, the, um, there's no clause. But again, I, I think it's a more like a gentleman's agreement. Obviously, the, you know, the, what's the name of the airline for America, whatever, the lobby group in the US is oh, like, yeah. we won, we won, we showed yeah, them, yeah, oh, y- yeah, la, yeah, la, yeah. la, 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 I mean, whatever. Anyway, uh Chris grow, whom we will invite uh, soon uh, on, uh who runs Runway.vc, which is both uh, an organization that helps uh, airlines and the air travel industry innovate, but also runs a podcast that was on it uh, recently. He, he was like, he was surprised, he said, uh, of the deal, he said, uh why would uh, Emirates offer a glimpse of their books, you know, because probably – and I was saying, like, like you, think not only you can show whatever you want to show, but I also probably think that Emirates actually is – there's nothing s- that much to hide anyway. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. Probably- well, exactly. And I think also, I
0: mean, as we just said with the whole uh, Sydney Qantas thing, Emirates are not stupid. This no. was clearly a good deal for them to Dude. to put you know it was it was even if they th- they they think slash know that they're right
1: this was easier and better than fighting it and probably you know when Trump visited uh, the Middle East, and afterwards everything happened—the blockade of Qatar, the you know the new kind of direction in Saudi Arabia, and of course UAE being closed. All this was probably already like talked, like let's find a gentleman's agreement. Everybody kind of save face. Everybody is a bit happy. There's a small win for everyone. Yeah, and that's because I believe, especially for the U.S. and the airline industry in the U.S., the big. Question mark, a big player now is China. It's no more yes. the ME3. So, probably they want to go and focus on China. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I hope this is the end of this petty back and forthery, but we'll see. Yeah. Though, one thing to mention interestingly, one of the biggest complaints, uh, and it was from all the other airlines uh, about DXB, was that DXB's rules from fees, you know, landing fees, were saying that. You had a different type of landing fee if you were just connecting than if you were actually landing. So obviously, all the others were simply landing. So British Airways and lands in Dubai, that's your final destination. Most of the passengers from Emirates were transiting, making Dubai cheaper for them. And apparently, they will kind of level that. I don't know. That's what I heard. Uh, So that's probably one of the little things they gave in order to have this, again, win-win. Fair enough, I guess. Yeah, I guess, you know. You know, at the end of the day, I think, I believe, I don't know, your father would probably know that better. But I believe that this industry is pretty small at the end of the day. So everybody kind of knows exactly what tricks the other ones are using. Yeah. Everybody kind of knows as well. Because Chris was telling me, yeah, so basically Emirates will have to disclose how much they paid for each aircraft. And I'm like, yeah, but in this industry, the kind of discounts, at least roughly, everybody knows Yeah. That. It's not as if it's a big secret. No, exactly.
0: It? And people move from one airline to another exactly. in their career, and right. they do the same role. and Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, uh, interestingly, as well, still on Emirates. Sorry to bore you guys about Emirates, because I've been flying them a lot, flying them again. Um, Emirates is removing uh, some aircraft from the fleet, uh, and uh, they're storing them at uh, Al Maktoum, a DWC. I think there's 11 777s, 1380s, uh, that, w- that were put aside in April, in May seventh, And in June, uh, so this is going to be next month, they're going to put aside, uh, so store six A380s. And a lot of people read that as being, well, they have a capacity issue, they're not flying as many people as they used to. Well, in the same podcast, uh, and also on the FT, Tim Clark kind of basically gave the answer. He says, we are a tad short on pilots. That's
0: interesting, isn't it?
1: So it's got nothing ch- to
0: do with they, they don't want to fly or can't fill airplanes. It's they don't have anybody to drive them.
1: Yeah, exactly. And he, uh, so the article on the FT, Gen Kanai sent it to me, so I want to acknowledge him. Uh, it's the Chinese. The Chinese are offering super high salaries. So basically the same thing that the Amy was doing for the past 10 years against Europe. Well, now the Chinese are poaching. <laughs> it's funny, right? <laughs> it is funny. Actually weird
0: uh observation i did four turns i oh know wow four flights on ba recently three in one day last week and two no three of the of the pilots i don't know if they were captains or first officers making the announcement were not british or not you know didn't have, they had yeah. foreign, so one was uh canadian one was american and one was from new zealand Huh. And that's um, the first time I've ever had that on all the flying I've done on BA. Obviously, with Mark uh, Van Onicker, it would be different because he's American. Uh, but uh, no, that was—I think—that was unusual. And I wonder if that's a reflection uh, that
1: airlines are casting their nets wider for experienced pilots. Yeah, there's a war of talents, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, clearly. Uh, Two last things uh, about it, uh, about Emirates. First, uh, guys at Dubai, the one thing that is truly becoming the bottleneck in, in Dubai if you ever transit at Terminal 3, which is the Emirates terminal, is the security within a terminal. When you land and you want to transit, they go make you pass the security point. It seems to me, by the way, that 10 years ago when I started flying them, there was no such security. But now it's really become like super long. Trick, though, uh, they say uh, that you need to remove your stuff. But trust me, you can leave your liquids in it will pass. You can leave your computers in. It will pass. You can basically leave pretty much everything in your luggage. <laughs> Is that good? I can't tell if that's good or not. I don't know, but it seems to be working because now I'm just playing the game. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to remove anything and, and see what happens, and nothing happens. And it, I mean, you still have to remove your belt. I mean, because you have to go through the, the metal. Yeah, yeah. But for the luggage, nope. So that's a trick, guys. But it's no, still a bit. Still <laughs> a, bit, uh, a bit. A bit slow. Uh, a bit slow. Uh, so final comment about Emirates. The chairman of the group, so uh, Sheikh al-Maktoum has dismissed the rumors that they will uh, merge with Etihad, who's struggling. So at least there's that. I don't know if it's he's just saying that as a... Yeah, I I don't know I I would read too much into that one. And we know that Etihad is basically rejiggering the entire order book. So they had a lot of orders in play, and they're either delaying some of them, canceling others, putting a lot of stuff on hold. So really Etihad is, I don't know where they're going.
0: Honestly. Yeah, I don't know where they're going either. I think, you know, they've gone through some leadership change as well. And that's what we're seeing is probably the fruit of that of that change. So once they've righted the ship, as it were, will be interesting to see what they do strategically and what, what announcements they make.
1: Uh, I don't know if you follow guys uh, Dave Waltsworth on Twitter He's a 380 BA pilot and he's very active on Twitter also active on Instagram like he's lovely because he's very positive he also answers a lot of questions on Twitter about you know so they do how do we fly you have written the article that I've sent you Alex the Captain Dave so uh, good. about uh, how to land the largest passenger aircraft in the world which describes how to land a 380 uh, it just it's really fantastic the one thing i didn't know uh which you cannot tend to realize now when he says it, it is pretty obvious is that the the speed the approach speed of the 380 is actually much slower yeah. than uh, 747 767 777s and dreamliners and you can feel you know because it seems sometimes when you look at them or even if you're inside that at the end it's like almost like floating right yeah <laughs> like, it's and i i was shocked by that I, I i couldn't get
0: over it you do you would assume that because it's so massive and and which is so massive that it needs to be moving much faster. But then, of course, you look at the size of the wing and yeah. realize, you know, it's a it's a marvel of aeronautical engineering
1: because it's so efficient. Clearly, that yeah. that stat just reinforces it. Yeah, it's a, so it's a great article. Read it and follow him mm. uh, if you can. He also indicates that most of the time, actually, they 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 land the 380 with on uh, manual, so they don't use auto land because it's, he says that uh, auto land is great when it's foggy, you know, in special conditions. Yeah, but other ones that if. They were to use auto land in normal conditions that forces the airport to place additional restrictions, uh, especially to avoid uh, signal interference. And thus, it will actually uh, have less landing hour. Oh, that's hour. interesting. I had no yeah. idea. I had no idea either. And he just said at the end, you know what? It's a great plane to land. So I'd like to do it myself and not let a robot doing it. <laughs> 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 That's actually, and the the, the reason I mentioned him is linked to Emirates is that they had a uh, recently a BA 380, I think coming from Singapore to, to London had a medical emergency and he went on just go on his uh, Twitter at Dave Walsworth. He was really explaining. Everything that happened, they had to reroute. They decided to reroute to Dubai, and in Dubai, the, he said that Emirates was amazing. You know, the ground staff to help them not only you know do the rerouting but take care of the person who was taken ill and everything. It, it was the first time a BA three eighty ever landed in Dubai.
0: Wow, <laughs> I, I'm always. I know there's protocol, and I know that there's playbooks for. Basically any scenario, but when things like that happen, I'm always so impressed by how smoothly those things seem to happen. happen. Yeah. It, you know, I admire people whose brains work like that because mine, mine sure doesn't, but I, I, <laughs> I just admire that and I think it's, it's really impressive.
1: And two things I, I, I learned. One was that apparently it's illegal to take pictures at DXB. I mean, I don't know because I've seen so many of them. So I'm really uh, not sure. I'll tell you what. I've been. I
0: was hauled into a police station at DXB for doing exactly that. Just a picture or filming. Picture. Wow. Yep. In what airside? No, or- I was actually. Uh, you know, when you come out of the airport and you're going up towards the metro station, there's like a yep. there's like a landing right yep. before you go up the next set of escalators to the platform. There, are you kidding
1: me? Yeah. I've taken so many pictures. I'm going to be arrested next time now. Uh, I'm, I've taken so many pictures. I mean, just because the design inside is pretty cool. It's this grand, massive oh, yeah, thing. Oh, yes. It's, it's spectacular. And and I've taken, of course, a few pictures of uh, planes parked, like the 318 in front of me or whatever. So I never – you know, I know that summer – it's not the only one. There's a lot of airports, but there's a lot of restrictions – but I assume that as long as you're doing stuff, which is like simply where passengers are walking and not going to restricted areas, you'd be fine. So, yeah. wow. I didn't know that. Dude. What, what, what? So, did they just ask you to delete the picture? No, something? they're like, why are you filming?
0: And I was like, no, I'm taking pictures. Why are you taking pictures? And I'm like, have you looked around? It's amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, well, 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 you know, don't do it again. Uh, wow. uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, they, they are the rules. So yeah, no, of course. it is no, what it is, course. but yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting experience. They didn't ask to look at the pictures, nor did they ask me to delete
1: them. Because at the end of the day, they know that so many people take pictures of yeah. these things. I mean, they were not – I mean, I don't know. I'm not taking a judgment here. I'm saying that how can you limit people from taking pictures in an airport? Yeah, I think it was – it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Exactly. Uh, the, the head of the Dubai airports, Paul Griffiths, says – that instead of building a third runway at Heathrow, just just should let it be a 24-7 airport i don't know if i agree with that of course they say that because their own airport is 24-7 uh you know i live on now kind of kind of hear the planes sometimes when they land up, especially when they take off especially the older ones I'm not directly as you guys know if you've been listening for a long time as i used to be like right on the landing but i don't know i mean you know what? It's a bit self-serving because when I flew back to London after being in Dubai, I took the first flight out. It's a flight that leaves at 2.30 in the morning to arrive at 7 a.m. in London. And uh, there's nothing else before because obviously the airport is closed. So you you have to stay until 2 a.m. in Dubai to be flying back to the UK. Yeah. If the airport was open 24-7, you could leave at, I don't know, like 9 p.m. and land at 2 a.m. or something. And maybe it's self-serving. Maybe it's just saying that to say that. I don't know. It's, yeah, I
0: don't... I. Whatever they do, they need to do something quickly. And I, you know, I, I flew out of Gatwick a lot in the last couple of weeks, and I like that airport. And God, do they need a third,
1: a second runway as well? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I fully agree with that. So, what do you? You had a lot of flights. Let's the Norwegian. Let's put it aside because I want to come a bit later. But you flew to
0: Dublin. Yeah, I did Budapest before Chicago, and that was on BA, and it was fine. The cool thing about Budapest is we uh, chartered a helicopter. Yeah, yeah. This wonderful old airport that uh, was the original airport. I think it opened in nineteen forty three, grass field runway. But they've got a beautiful DC three in Malev colors and an Antonov two, which still flies. Uh, and anyway, um, there's a there's a local flying club there, a flight school, uh, a Soviet era military junkyard. Wow. So this guy just buys these airplanes and keeps them all stacked up, as well as this helicopter company. Uh, And we – and they're called fly for less which is a disconcerting name, but they were very, very good. Uh, We took up a Eurocopter, and our pilot was ex-Hungarian Air Force attack helicopter pilot. So he – and he also was able to get special dispensation for us to fly 150 feet over the city, which (laughs) no one else can do. And so we got some pretty spectacular footage zipping along the – the rooftops of, of Budapest because that's closed airspace, but he was able to to get it for us. I need to do that. I want to be in that freaking it copter once. <laughs> so cool. So cool. So yeah, I recommend those guys a lot fly for less in, in Budapest. And it's only like 20 minute taxi ride from the sort of center of Budapest or the, or the pest side of, of Budapest of the river. Um, but yeah, I, I flew to Dublin and back in a day and then straight on it, to Oslo and it was my first time doing a transfer in T5. I'd never done that before. I did it uh, from four to three, but never within T5. And it's kind of ingenious the way that they've they've done it. You come off the airplane and no one checks your boarding pass or anything. You go through this door. There's
1: never a check with Dublin because you have this special agreement between the UK and Ireland, right? You, so you go through
0: you- immigration at Dublin Airport. To oh. London okay. to to, do, to Dublin. You go through immigration to get into Dublin. And I was traveling on my American passport, so it took for oh, okay. flipping ever. That's another story. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, And then I came back and... Into T five on the twenty the two X gates, which are on the yep. what is it the south side, side. Of, of Terminal five, and you you walk all these corridors, you go through the the boarding pass gates right before you go through to security, and then you sort of end up it spits you out at just the normal security. Oh, okay. In T five, uh, you come through this door, which I'm sure we've all looked at a million times, and then you're at security like everybody else and then you go go to your gate so it was very smooth and very very easy i came at a really quiet time there wasn't much going on like six o'clock at night uh, and then flew up to flew up to oslo but i i have to say this i think it's important to get this on record i took four flights in a week on ba all four of them were early not on time early All four of the crews were exemplary, friendly, courteous, assertive, did the whole look at the iPad, call me by my name thing. The food is what it is. The thing that bothers me slightly is that you only get a cold meal or a microwave panini is the hot thing, but no one wants to eat that (laughs) um, on the evening flights. But they were all great. They all boarded on time. They all boarded promptly. They all boarded in a manner that I liked you know so you status people boarded first they were all really really good forget the product it is what it is they've
1: got no control over that no but- plus at the end of the day when it's a short haul because what oslo is 2 hours or whatever uh, yeah. uh, and dublin is an hour and whatever less than it, it, we're, a we're not we don't need uh, you know fancy no. interiors or food or whatever you want efficiency and kindness or yeah civility or whatever especially
0: Um, since i was connecting you're always slightly more aware of punctuality uh and and uh, they were all they were all on time they were all friendly they're the the flight deck crew were all super communicative we had an interesting experience coming back from oslo (laughs) it was like i think our flight was at 9 30 local time and we've been up since six filming so it was it was a long day the plane was 17 years old. It's a 17-year-old A310, which has got to be one of their oldest planes. It didn't feel it feel on the inside. Old, yeah, it and they true. rarely do with PA. But uh, they they couldn't turn off the boarding music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you told me. <laughs> and and they, they couldn't turn off – they couldn't dim the lights. Oh, my God. And none of the reading lights were working. So – Control Alt Delete. Yeah, pretty much. Like you're like. So they tried a few things on the ground. Nothing worked, but they didn't want to miss their slot, so they got us up in the air. I had noise canceling headphones on, so the the not dimming, not dimming is a little bit disappointing because there's such wonderful views at this time of year. Yeah, because it's like twilight the whole flight. That was annoying. The boarding music. I was like, if you don't have headphones on. And you're, <laughs> you're sitting there and this is playing for two hours. I think you'd go slightly. insane. And then I think it got to the point where the captain was like, okay, this is even getting on my nerves. So they, to use a, a piece of jargon that's totally inaccurate, they pulled the panel mid-flight. So they shut everything down. And the cabin went completely dark and wow. silent mid-flight somewhere over the North Sea while they tried to reset the system. Uh, and so for like maybe three minutes – all of the uh, lights, so the no smoking sign, the seatbelt sign, all of the, the lights showing you the row numbers were cycling through all of their various <laughs> states as this system uh, rebooted itself. And it worked. It fixed the problem. So then the, the cabin that everything dimmed to what it was supposed to do and the, the, the reading lights worked and mercifully the boarding music stopped. But I, that was my first, I've had that on
1: the ground many, many times. Yeah, but me too, but that, that, never on flight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had the IFE like it uh, happens sometimes, but, uh, I wish, and you know, there's always as these two situations, uh, you have, uh, let's say more modern, Airlines and where which is your own IFE that they're rebooting and other airlines where they're because yours doesn't work you the feel guilty row. because they, <laughs> or I even had the whole freaking cabin once oh yeah France, yeah then and
0: instantly unpopular like, in person right there
1: oh my god I was like I don't want to see, I don't want anyone to see that's me that started this whole thing you know but it was like a twelve hour flight so I needed some movies or whatever anyway uh, were you two things were you flying because you mentioned it, were you flying so T five all the time or did you also fly from T three
0: uh. Good question. No, because T-5 we five all the
1: way. Okay, because we had we had these uh, discussion. I think we also hinted that it like in the last episode, or maybe it was just you and me over over messages. Because uh, all my flights this month with uh, with B A R T three. I'm uh, going.
0: Budapest to- was T three.
1: Yeah, I'm going tomorrow to Barcelona and flying for staying there one day and it's T3. And, you know, most of the time it's T3 for these kind of flights. It's a, I mean, first it shows that T5 is a capacity issue and they need a T6 or something. But yeah. also that's sometimes you don't know, you have to pay attention. To you, yeah, it,
0: it actually screwed me on. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> uh, my stupid ass didn't look and, and I assumed it was T5, so booked my parking and hotel there. And of course it was T3. But. The silver lining to that cloud is Cathay First Lounge. Yeah, Cathay First Lounge, <laughs>
1: exactly. Uh, since you mentioned the crew, uh, I, I know, sorry, guys, because I keep talking to Emirates, but I want to just especially just give a shout out to the crew from Singapore to Dubai, because that was exactly the kind of behavior, demeanor that made me fall in love with Emirates back almost 10 years ago now uh, because they were willing, they were fun, they were, you know, very professional but not taking themselves too seriously. Very similar to what you just said. It was super efficient, super nice. They were, everyone was willing and doing, it was like, probably my best flight this year and again, like, and I know we say that in every episode we bore our audience with that. It was not a product. It was not the food. It was not the movies that I was watching. Yeah. It was the crew, the smiles, the, the, the professionalism. It, makes it was such amazing. a
0: difference. I think they sometimes forget how much. I mean, power is not. Yeah, I mean, it. it they can make or break an experience, and more often for me, it's it's make. That you know, if the they have no control over what the hard yeah. product is, but they can still give you a great flight.
1: So, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you Uh in the next episode, whenever that is. Um, I'm doing BA again tomorrow. I'm very looking forward to it. Uh, the only thing is, for some reason, I cannot check in on my mobile I've app. had that uh, recently, too. Keep saying, no, you can't. Oh, I mean, I c- So here, th-
0: th- you've just reminded me of something completely crazy that happened on my flight that I was bitching to you about uh, while I was in Dublin, but actually caught me out.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, I had it on my nose. Go ahead. Go so ahead. this is,
0: this is, are you ready, guys? This is this exciting nerd, you know. Right here So I had booked a flight just to go To Norway and back and Something came up when I needed to go To Dublin so I kept my other Flight open because somebody Else was on the ticket and I couldn't cancel them I couldn't split them without a lot of Faffery so I just left it and as soon as I hadn't Checked in for my First flight it would cancel the Remaining segments that's how it works So guys don't miss your first flight when I got to Dublin, I finished my commitment there very early and went to the airport to see if they would put me on an early flight because there was a flight leaving about an hour and 10 minutes after I arrived at the airport. And they looked up and they're like, oh, yeah, there's plenty of room. Uh, that'll be 190 euros and you'll be downgraded on your next segment from Heathrow to Oslo. And I was like, well, what, "What? you can't just put me on the flight. I'm, you know, not to be a jerk about it, but I'm in business class. I'm a gold card holder surely this is some kind of perk i mean you're not losing anything by putting me on an earlier flight on an earlier flight and i would have, i would have been happy to go in economy for the short route and then now 190 euros 190 euros yeah 190 euros i thought that was a bizarre thing but she she tried it to to look at and 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 it again it wasn't the lady's fault that was helping me it's just a policy apparently but she had checked me out to see if she could put me on the flight and didn't check me back in. So I get through security and I try and board. And they're like, that's funny. It, it says you're not on this flight. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's just like, no, 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 it's fine. The seat was never unblocked. So I'll just add you to the seat and, and on you go. And I thought, oh, that's just salt in the wounds. Anyway, fine. I get to my flight from Heathrow to Oslo. And they're like, that's weird. It says you're not on this flight. And I was like, what <laughs> is happening? Same thing. He's like, no, it's no problem. I'll just reallocate you to that seat. But when I got to Oslo Airport and checked in, they scanned the boarding pass. It tried to check me in on that original trip for which I no-showed on the first segment. Oh, wow. And I was like, that's a little odd. Yeah, a little. <laughs> oh, my God. And so it took like three or four minutes of her tapping around on the computer to to unload me, quote unquote, from that flight as yeah. that person which should have been canceled using a passport I didn't have with me.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, because you had the other one.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then sorted it out. But the most interesting part, and again, I'll, and I'll shut up with the story in a second, was I was not excited about entering the UK as a British citizen on my US passport. I just thought 1030 at night, this is going to cause some poor immigration officer a real yeah. headache. And I did a little and- research. I, I have every right to enter the country. On my US passport as of a British course. citizen, especially since I'm leaving again on Tuesday. There's nothing to stop me, but it did mean filling out a landing card. Uh, <laughs> fast track had already closed because it closed oh. at 10 and I la- landed at 1030 and the queue for non-EU citizens moves really slowly. So Always, I got in there yeah. and I was like, okay, I have to be patient. My British passport was getting a visa with another embassy, so I couldn't. And I, I saw an immigration officer sitting in, you know, in T five immigration, they've got that kind of holding pen in the middle, correct, uh, where they take people that need a little bit extra time. There was a person sitting there. I said, "Can I just get your advice on this?" I said, "I'm a, I'm a British citizen. My British passport is with a another embassy." I'm an American citizen. I have my American passport. I'm leaving on Tuesday. And you can see his colleague behind him starting to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I filled out a landing card. i waited in the queue. And the guy just, he's like, you don't want to wait with all that nonsense. Just give me a moment. Takes my passport into the office, processes oh. it himself. And I had a, a copy of my UK passport photocopy processes my entry into the UK on my UK passport. Wow. Yeah. Comes back and says, here you go, man, and escorts me through all the barriers to baggage claim. And he That's says That's awesome. It was awesome. It was it was it was so great. It was such a great experience with, with UK border folks. And he said, because you had a copy of your passport, it made this whole thing way easier. So yeah, of course. If anybody is in that like massively unusual situation where you just keep a copy of your passport and yeah, thank I'll, you thank you thank you to the uk border team for being so cool about that
1: the, the copy of your passport anyway i think is a good thing to have i have an electronic copy on me but yeah it's a great thing i mean i'm lucky or i mean some people will actually hate that but as a swiss i have an id card as well so not only do i have multiple passports but even if i want to stay swiss in Europe, the ID card is enough, Stick but then engine, I cannot yeah. use the E-Gate with the ID card. I still have to go through the normal queue yeah. thing, right? Still, so, good for them. Thank you. No, good. And also, because you had a little exchange on Twitter about this uh, particular set of flights you did, there was a friend, uh, Stuart, at Brookie Boy on Twitter, who was so happy to have flown a brand new one-month-old BA 320 Neo. He did Barcelona, ETHRO. So maybe I have hope. Maybe I'll do it. Actually, i have a Oh, yeah, as well. yeah. But one of your flights was oh, yeah. an even newer one.
0: I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> we we got onto the plane from back from Budapest, which was late, very late, and the captain came on and did his you know, apologized and and flights at the end of the day can often just get knock on delays, and he said, uh, you know, we'll we'll get, you get there as fast as we can. But this plane joined the BA fleet this morning.
1: That's awesome.
0: So it had done a couple of turns and. It was it was a neo, very quiet. Other than that, nothing else is different. Did he smell fresh it, and it new? It smelled fresh, and uh, one of the massive benefits, at least for me, was that every row had power outlets.
1: Yeah, that's the thing with the neos. Yeah,
0: which was great. I, and Greg and I, Greg who was flying with me, who does attache with me, both commented that the seats were very uncomfortable because oh, wow. they hadn't been broken in yet. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they of were, were very <laughs> stiff. But it was cool. It was neat to be like – that's by far – other than a Virgin America airplane, which was kind of pre-passenger flight – that was the new, by far the newest airplane I've ever been in. That was it was neat to be able to do that. Thank you for reminding me of that.
1: Oh well, well, I hope I can do that actually tomorrow because yeah, at least yeah. a three twenty neo. Because uh, and the same story says actually he thinks that the exit row seats is a better deal than uh, Club Europe, and I get it. We were yeah. in an exit
0: row, and I one hundred percent agree
1: with that. In some cases, rare, but some cases, if uh, Club Europe, so business class is pretty busy, you can't even have both. You can be in an exit row seat. In, in business. Uh, yeah, in I've business, had that I once. Super, super rare. Sometimes on 321s, actually, that so, happened. And he offered as well a few other things. He said that the, the lounge in Barcelona is awful. So I I don't know. I'm going to try that, actually, in two days. So, I can't sure remember the what the lounge like. I, I, I've been to – I think I've been – you know, the one time I used to go, and I think you've come with me once, was it? Yeah, uh, yeah. To Mobile World Congress. Yes. The problem with Mobile World Congress is that the lounges – there's more people in the lounge on the yeah, air. Because everybody has status. And it's impossible. I, I, I don't – you simply don't go. So that will be a normal time, so I'll we'll be able to judge uh, what uh, what it is, I, I, actually. So, well, anyway, one thing he mentioned, and then I'll move on from Stuart, he mentioned that he had an odd experience that they had to wait to disembark the plane because BA wanted to remove the cargo first. And I wonder why that could be. There must have been something sensitive dangerous, yeah, or dangerous yeah. in the cargo.
0: Yeah. Uh, if anybody's – maybe Will. Maybe this is something that you know, mm-hmm. given your cargo handling pass, But if anybody else knows what that might be, that's a really interesting mystery.
1: Maybe a lot of lithium-ion battery. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that, because I've seen that in my Lufthansa flight, in my BA flights, in my Swiss flights. I'm not sure about uh, Emirates. I'll listen to it on Friday when I fly. They now say that if your yes. phone is becoming too hot, let us snow. If you see smoke, let us snow. I mean, they really emphasize… Norwegian do the same thing. Very uh, like a separate announcement. In the past year, we already had heard stuff like, if you lose your phone in the seat, do not attempt to, re- to take it yourself, just ask a member of the crew, because otherwise it blocks the entire thing, which yep. was already, probably happens a lot because these things are super slippery. <laughs> but you know what? I actually had, I don't remember which one, but anyway, it doesn't matter. My iPhone X, I uh, had been using it quite a lot and it was, yeah, it was Dubai, so it was a hot. The photo, you know, the photo app would not boot and it said, the iPhone X said, there was an alert saying, your phone is too... I don't remember the wording, so I'm paraphrasing. Your phone is too hot. Wait for it to cool down. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've had that with my old phone, my success, my And they, it has to be pretty hot for it to do that. No, it was. And I could feel it actually in my hand. It was not exploding, but it was like, yeah, I can't yeah, understand. What, this, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> or so uh, thank God Apple has probably you know put these kind of limits and probably the Samsung, the, the good brands. But, you know, Chinese nothing against Chinese because I think Chinese phones are the reason everybody can have a phone. It's great to have a phone for thirty-five bucks, but uh, yeah. some of them might not be as good quality as a Samsung. or yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, after a few mentions on Twitter. Uh, first, we had uh, John Young. I love his his, his Twitter handle, one J Y, so three letters. Yeah. So jealous! Crazy. <laughs> Talk about your mascation. nation! I want that. He also has a three-letter username on Flickr. Wow like the airline that's just, I'm so jealous of you John actually I do early have, adopter I have two three letter uh, usernames on on Twitter that I've never used they're parked and I'm logging in to not lose them <laughs> uh, so he said he discovered layovers podcast after episode 60 and this week I finally caught up on all the episodes. Oh my God. Thank you guys for doing things like this. And he's thanking us. And he also says that he's going to uh, start Mastication Nation now. (laughs) Well, there's a lot less to go through there. So good luck. (laughs) And also on Instagram, Slavo, uh, it was a personal message sent me, Paul, it's great that what you guys do about our podcast. Uh, And he says that we actually met in Astana back, I think it was 2014. Yeah. And that's why he's listening because I I must have mentioned layovers back then. And that's why he's <laughs> that's listening. So, cool. so I love <laughs> you know, this small, he works actually at Skoda Innovation. I mean, so, like oh, cool wow. yeah, yeah. So, you know, you know, guys, it's always great, you know, these feedback because we're talking in front of the microphone. I see Alex on the other side of the screen. He sees me. And we always kind of like so happy to know that even like if it's five people, but they are listening. <laughs> 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 because it was so nice. Yeah. Um, Daniel Tan at Dan Tan Dan underscore on Twitter said that only recently found layovers and I am now on a mission to get through all 70 existing episodes 10 down so far wow Pain. <laughs> you got you guys need to come down to Australia to test out some of our business 100%. So, so, so agree. Uh, and he, he added something. He, he actually travels with a violin. So, you know, my whole story about taking the space on the overhead bin, he was like, for me, he says it's always difficult because with the violin, obviously, he wants to get in first, but also the violin, due to its, you know, size and how it looks like, it actually takes a lot of space. It makes a lot of passengers unhappy. And I said, you know what? I'd happily give space to some of the violin I absolutely very noble 100%. Instru- i'd instru- much
0: instru- rather give that to to a violin than somebody who's
1: clearly pushed the hand baggage limits to absurdity yeah. Uh, since we just mentioned both the seats that were a bit stiff, the space in the had been something for our friend Kendall. Uh, so Congress has renewed the FAA funding for five years, which is actually pretty good. So the FAA, the Federal Administra- Aviation Administration, it's good because it hadn't been done for such a long time. So it's now there's like they have funding for five years or set. It says that the FAA will have to rule on seat pitch. Ah, Aha. that was that's going to be a, a fun fight to watch. I don't remember exactly how it works. The Senate has to also agree. They can still maybe remove that bit. But it could be that the FAA will have to make some type of statement at role about... The size of your seats. So Good. let's see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah. And and so kudos to Flyer Rats at Kendall because clearly your lobbying did it's work. It's working. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely- the, the 787 Rolls Royce engine, that story actually, we were at the cusp of it because it seems that now not a single day passes on without having some new addition yeah some so uh BA is unretiring some uh seven forty seventh because they need to have capacity. Uh, our friend Sunil at Glucode Code on Instagram had his uh selfie taken in the fly deck of a seven four seven. I actually they need to do that. I never asked anyone but I should simply yeah. just go and and he was talking to the the pilots, and of course the pilots were super happy that the 747s were unretired. <laughs> yes. It's a good thing they got to them before they turned them into beer cans as well. Perfect transition to Virgin Atlantic was unretiring a very, very, very old a three forty six hundred for the same reason uh, they need capacity. And that's – it's like more than 20 years. Uh, yeah. Uh, if ouch. If <laughs> you look at the
0: uh, – next time you guys fly out of Heathrow, if you look on the south side of the airfield in between T4 and the cargo terminal – there is a very sad-looking Virgin Dreamliner with its engines all tarped up. Yep. Yeah, pretty much in the air, like same in Haneda, same in Auckland, same in Sydney, same in LA with all these airlines that
1: have these planes that are, are unflyable at the moment. You know, high fly is actually winning that game because yeah, Highfly, I think I mentioned last time, but high fly is leasing planes left and right, right? To, uh, to compensate for that big thing. So, uh, it's, well, I mean, the, this ETOPS limitation is really hitting. Even we said that BA was less hit, but induces, uh, ra- uh reroutings because you still yep. have to be close to airports. So it's longer routes to go to places, et cetera. And BA is, uh, leasing, uh, again, Qatar Airways aircraft, and last time were 320s, but this time they will be 330s. So 330s, 200s and yeah. 300s. I don't know what mix. be interesting
0: to see what, what when those come online. So not the, not the Q-suites, unfortunately, but still a very good product.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, they're the oldest. You know, I've flown both. Uh, so in business class, one of the the kind of you know this old type kind of shell. Yeah, uh, so it's two, two, two. It's pretty good because it's pretty. It's not exactly life flight, but it's good. It's yeah, going to be
0: very good. interesting to see what route they deploy those on.
1: But the other one is uh, 232. It's live flat, but they're so narrow that makes United look like uh, Emirates First Class. It's very narrow. So maybe not the best, but the interesting bit, is they, they, so they're wet-leasing, so there's the crew, everything. And I'm wondering, Alex, will they dare flying them to the US? <laughs> <Huh>. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I reckon they'll be used on mid-haul and maybe to... Uh, to the Indian subcontinent. That's yeah. my my completely ill informed and uneducated guess.
1: But you know, at least it's a win win because BA needs to have aircrafts, and we know that Qatar, because of that blockade, probably has aircrafts to play with, and so it's a win win. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah I agree, I agree. Money. Al Baker said that if IAG bids for Norwegian, Qatar will back it. <sighs> no. <laughs> No, don't do that. (laughs) And which airport are you going to? To Moscow to? Which one? Both. So Domodevo and yeah, what's the name? Yeah, okay. There's a third one and Qatar is investing in that one, the NuKovo Airport. Oh yes, uh, yeah. They are buying 25% of it. So Qatar is now, you know- They're back to their they, ways. They have to. <laughs> so yeah. finally flown Norwegian, how was that? I did, I flew from Gatwick
0: to, to Chicago and back and I was super duper impressed. A, easily the best transatlantic premium economy. Easily, not even a competition. Cause that's oh, what I'm it, so it, happy
1: you agree! Oh wow, it's, okay. It is,
0: it's premium economy. Let's. It's 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 not business class. It's no, not nothing not, like no. that. It's premium economy, and that's the arch by which it should be measured. And it was so good; it was far more value than I was expecting. My my planes were three and four months old. Oh wow! Um, the food was outstanding. It, they were really sensible with the sort of deli style uh, boxes that they give you. I was I was just super impressed with the food. It was some of the most delicious food I've had on an airplane outside of business class on Cathay or Emirates. Oh wow, irrespective that's, of class. Wow, that's a big statement. Yeah, wow. the service was was cheery, and I, and they got a real kick because I flew with the same crew in both directions, and they got a real kick out of seeing me board because <laughs> I was there for a night and then flew back the next day, and they're like, "Wait, what the hell are you doing?" And then I was like royalty for the rest of that flight. <laughs> um, The service was was friendly, efficient, sensible for the return leg, which was overnight. The seat was comfortable enough to sleep on. They don't give you eye patches and ear plugs, plugs, which I brought my own because I think maybe it was you who told me that they didn't. So I brought my own. The only thing that was weak, I think, was the IFE. The screen was nice and big and crisp. There just wasn't a lot of content. Yeah, it's true. The moving map was was outstanding. Was great. Yeah. Um, I had a seat next to me on both both ways. Even though the return leg was otherwise completely full, I was just really impressed. Oh wow! wow. And I will fly. And and it was like, it was so much cheaper because they don't have a Saturday night stairwell, which is genius on their part because the flights were were rammed in both directions, and they you have access to the lounge at the number 1 lounge at gatwick which is mm-hmm. okay is okay it's not okay. great okay it's not great
1: i agree but at least you have a
0: lounge right at least you have a lounge and they have access to the air france lounge at at chicago which again is okay they're in this it's terminal 5 at chicago which isn't great it's not terrible but it's not great so, but I, I, yeah, just I was so impressed with them, and I cannot wait to find them again. And I really hope that they don't get acquired, or they even IG get
1: anywhere near them, because they'll just they'll just cheapen that experience. I mean, there's a reason we talk a lot about Norwegian in that podcast, in this podcast, is because. They're good. I mean, not everything is perfect, but they're good. And it's exactly like you said, they're giving a run for the money and all the others are doing these routes. And that, just for that, I appreciated them.
0: Yeah. And they didn't lock the windows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they automatically get many points for that. But yeah,
0: I was impressed. How was the, the leg room? More than adequate. And especially okay. because I had two seats, I could yeah. put my carry-on next to me or under the seat. So it was it was more than more than adequate i, yeah. I just i was the, there was something about the vibe yeah and that's exactly. why i said earlier like 2 years ago virgin should have bought norwegian while they were still buyable, buyable. and just made it
1: virgin because it was it felt very virgin it's, it's, it's exactly, I remember we talked about it with, when I did that flight two years ago, it's exactly what I thought. There is this vibe that you don't see in many airlines yeah. that is friendly, fun, young, exciting, but still very professional. So, I don't know, I, I really did enjoy it. Yeah. And for a price on these routes that is super ultra competitive. Yeah, I was so impressed, so impressed. Yeah, I might uh, if I don't fly uh, Emirates uh, from Athens to to New York, which I might have to do in in three weeks, I will uh, clearly f- uh, go back here and fly um, from Gatwick, uh, Norwegian, yeah. because it just makes sense. To be honest with you, it makes yeah. sense. Uh, a few news about Norwegian. So the company says that uh, at Q2 2018, it has reached its peak of its expansion. So I'm not sure they. I don't know if they say that because they are running into some cash issues. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to be. Uh, they are saying that they are looking into cost-cutting measures. Uh, they are also saying that they are looking into divesting aircraft, so meaning like reducing the fleet or leasing more. I don't know exactly how what that it entails. It, it's funny. I think it was Ashley Quint that uh, put this, the the photo on Twitter hat luxury traveled and you see the vice president of comms saying all the things that look like we don't have enough money to go on or we need to be careful and the very last bullet point is like it's business as usual for passengers and staff you're like well, not really actually if you say we'll see uh they opened it's one of the bullet points they clearly opened for acquisition
0: (laughs) it just it's frustrating because We've seen it happen so frequently, where the consolidation just leads to a degraded passenger experience, and it's—I think—Delta is the exception to that. I'm—I'm have, not—I haven't flown Delta in ages, but I understand that that relationship with Virgin has elevated both products. But what we'll see—I—I I hope this isn't the case. I think they have expanded aggressively, and now you get into efficiency mode, and you—you you try and scale it and make it make it profitable, and that—that's. That's where the brilliance comes in. This is where make or break point for a lot of airlines. We'll see what the next five
1: years holds. Well, talking about degrading passenger experience at Italia is uh, surely degrading uh, in the like, slope of degradation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, Jeez, still don't know, we still don't know what's going to happen. No. Nope. Uh, the thing is, uh, the antitrust regulators in Italy have actually opened a probe to see whether or not the rescue. So the loan by the government uh, back then was actually legal or not? Which Oof. means that if it's proven to be legal, they have to reimburse it. It's gone. It's off. There's no way that uh, Lufthansa or Ryanair would buy it as is. Like you, like you mentioned earlier about Air France, maybe they're just going to sell the name. Yeah. <laughs> because if suddenly they have to reimburse the the loan, ouch. I mean, ouch, yeah. Ouch, that's, ouch. Uh, what are you going to do exactly? <laughs> which. Allows the other player that is starting operations to be very happy, which is uh, Air Italy, which is Qatar uh, Airways backed. They are finally starting this month. They received their first aircraft, a 320. They are doing domestic flights, uh, Milan, Rome, Naples, Palermo, Catania, and they're launching their long world flights in June. So it's starting. Yeah. And they look,
0: it looks good. I think, um, Jason Rubinowitz, the at airline flyer, he was at the, Boeing, Air Italy. And and we should remind people that uh, Air Italy is was Meridiana. Yeah, it was an old, already on airline. line, yeah. Uh, and he was there for um, for the unveiling or announcement of the new livery and some of the... I think they're getting 737 Maxes, aren't they? But yeah, he posted some pictures of that. It looks fantastic. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And of course, yeah. uh, Al Baker was there <laughs> with his new uh, new project. So, yeah, good stuff.
1: Uh, let's hope that they, they succeed and like it he had... Etihad should simply now buy a stake in Air France. Because, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, since- I, we joked about it, as you say, at the time of the episode. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> because they, they seem to be uh, investing in falling knives all the time. So, well, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see about that. List. Um, uh, yeah, well, since we're in the region, uh, because we talked about it in the last episode, you remember El Al was attacking both the Israeli government and Air India because Air, Air India had authorization to fly from India to uh, Ben Gurion, flying over Saudi. Well, uh, unexpectedly, or maybe expectedly, because we mentioned all the the back channel stuff that is happening in the region, while well, Saudi Arabia will allow Israeli airlines to use its airspace soon. That's the Minister of Transportation of Israel that declared it. Air India will keep its permission. They're just being enlarged to... And that's pretty unprecedented, actually. It is wow. unprecedented. It's quite extraordinary. <laughs> I mean, I don't know
0: what that what the further geopolitical implications are, but it's very yeah. interesting
1: development. It's kind of the first kind of official connection between Israel and Saudi Arabia because, I mean, we know they talk to each other, but there's never like any... Anyway, and the last story of the day, guys, there were a lot of people I wanted to give shout out to, but we're really running a long, long episode here. So you you will have to wait for the next one. Don't worry. I've seen all your messages and keep sending us messages. Very always appreciated that you guys do that. iTunes reviews, sharing the episodes on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, wherever it's really, really well appreciated appreciate it we really love that we try to answer to everything actually you you, for those who've tried to contact us you've seen it and if we don't please forgive us and insist yeah (laughs) um so that that happened over the weekend so yesterday sunday uh, may 13th istanbul airport this asiana 330 that knocked down the tail the tail fin of a turkish 321 wow the images are it it like Completely shears it off like it's made out of butter.
0: <laughs> it just, it just sort of cuts it right off. It's, and, and Paul and I were looking at this video this morning going, whose fault is this? <laughs> and I think, well, it'll be interesting to see where the report lies, but watch the video. It is ex- just the most amazing footage I've ever seen of just. Winglet of the three thirty it's going. <laughs>
1: that's it. Bye. <laughs> and the the the, the three thirty the, the the wing is exactly, almost exactly at the right height to really knock off the tail fin. So would have been slightly higher, it would knock off half of it, and slightly lower, will actually directly hit the fuselage. And the the tail fin it just simply disappears i mean yeah. it, it's i never thought and you said that to me this morning that it would be so not frail it's not an exaggeration but it would just drop like that
0: <laughs> yeah the 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 noise inside both of those airplanes must have been
1: otherworldly Fasten your seatbelt until yes. Uh, <laughs> you you know? said
0: that, and you're spot on. That is why you don't stand up until they turn off the seatbelt sign, because yeah. you would have felt that, and you would have been knocked on your face if you'd been standing up,
1: reaching for Absolutely. something in an overhead bin. There were no injuries, so probably Thankfully. people were still either still standing, or even if someone fell, nothing grave happened. The but so the, we'll learn what happened. It looks like that the Turkish 321 was going into its parking, so pulling in its parking position, but stopped approximately 30 meters from where the jet bridge would be. But we don't know why. So maybe they, they were waiting for the signal to actually do it. It happens sometimes. Maybe the gate was not ready. I don't know. Maybe something else happened. But the thing is, Somebody didn't make his homework. Yeah, because didn't do some, some people say All right, Gina, the 330 pilot should have looked at it, but then again, they were given clearance, probably. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just happy that no nothing, one was hurt. Yeah, yeah. and of course, I, I'm I'm not sure that Turkish plane will ever fly again because no. that's a pretty big hit. <laughs> My God, <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading the report on this one. So any any such extraordinary stories
0: at uh, Chicago RD? If it's going to happen, it'll be there. I mean, that airport <laughs> is monstrous. Like I'd never flown into there until last September and we were lucky enough to come in from the south, so not over the lake. And you kind of fly alongside the airport and keep flying and keep flying and keep flying and keep flying. And keep flying. And you're like, "Good Lord, this airport is never ending." And then you land and you taxi and you taxi and you taxi and you taxi. It is a absolutely enormous airport. It's beyond anything I've, I think I've ever experienced. The problem is, is that it's been, it was designed in an era which was like, you know, pre amenity and the whole thing has been pushed and pushed and pushed. It's very, very much like JFK capacity. So. It's very busy. It has, I think, among the worst on-time performance of any airport in the world, certainly in America, but I'm completely in love with it because <laughs> it's because of its scale, because of the sheer variety of carriers that you see there uh, and the types of airplanes and the just the, the constant comings and goings is rather nice. It's a ball lake to get to. Actually, it, it used to be a ball lake to get to because traffic – was and is horrendous, no matter how you'd, you you try and do it. But they've made some really good improvements to the T. So actually, you can go right from the airport to downtown Chicago on the T and like on a good day, 35 minutes. That's the way to do it. Otherwise, traffic is just nightmarish. But it's just one of those airports where I'm sure if you had to do it every week, you'd loathe it. <laughs> but But going every six months or once or, you know, not even that, is is a really rather incredible experience. I, I just love it. I was so so impressed with it.
1: It has like seven runways or something. It's-,
0: it's just it's it's monstrous. Yeah. It's absolutely monstrous. I, I I I cannot get over how big that airport is. Uh, I'm I'm in awe of it. And like I say, you see you see every manner of airplane and every airline from from really all over the world. Uh, and, and of course, as, is, is AV or AV geeks, it's, it's quite extraordinary. But yeah, it's, it's got seven runways. Which all constantly seem to be in use. It's eighty million people going in and out of there. That's so new. yeah, it's just uh, it's just amazing. So I lo- I love it. I th- the problem is again, and to to answer the question that is the namesake of this of this podcast, it's a crappy airport for layovers because it's so far out of town and it takes so long to get there. So you've got this like array of airport hotels around, so you you don't really get to experience Chicago unless you have a long time on the ground there. There's a lot yeah. of facilities, not so much in T5, which is the main international ter- terminal. But if you're transiting between US carriers, then there's a, f- a few bits and pieces. But it's not, I don't think, a great airport for Lairbus. Also because of the punctuality issue. <laughs>
1: I, I, if I remember correctly, and again, it's been a very long time I haven't been to it. I have this enough, to be honest. I, I know I've done the, the, the international terminal, but I know I've done others because as I told you guys, I was a teenager probably when I was living there they all the terminals have this kind of similar look very long corridors basically yes. you keep walking 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 you have gates obviously and uh and they I mean I'm not saying that they exactly look uh, the same but they have the same feeling to them the one thing that i remember was a nightmare to uh switch terminals yeah JFK yeah, you know is admittedly also not very good i think they are now trying to uh, they have a plan which I don't remember the name of that they're trying to make it easier for these type of transitions between the yes. terminals especially when you come from international and let's say you fly Lufthansa and then uh, you want to you keep going on star Alliance which I think United is terminal one uh, so to make these type of transitions within groups one world star Alliance et etc much easier to clear because right now apparently it's still a mess I remember it and we're talking twenty years ago that it was a mess and apparently it's still a mess, so they're making a lot of improvements there. So uh- they
0: have this automated people mover called the air transit oh. system, which which has been around since ninety three, uh and and takes you from the rental car all the way through to the um the various terminals, but
1: it's not uh I don't think perhaps as good as it should be. But you know, it's one of these major hubs in the world. I mean, it's one yeah. of the biggest airports in the world. Uh, anything that caught you out, especially at Terminal Five, you said you were good food, for instance, and obviously. No, not. Oh, well. there,
0: there's a, a there. Some everybody recommended the Rick Bayless, who's an American chef specializing in Mexican food. He has a little bar there, and you know what? For airport food, it wasn't half bad, and the the people that work there. I've never seen people work so hard in an F&B environment in my life. And they were friendly and smiling and jovial the whole time. Reasonable guacamole, and that's all I cared for. And and Negromodelo (laughs) beer. So yeah, uh, it was much better than the lounge, which served like Norwegian and Air France and Iceland Air and Emirates and Qatar. So it was rammed, absolutely rammed. And I could only take a little bit of that before I, I just wanted to explore the airport a little bit. Can you can you actually do something spotting? Can you see the yes. aircrafts? Oh, okay. Yeah. So from that lounge, you get a reasonable view of the movements. From the restaurants and stuff? Not really? No, or not, not, uh, not so much. They all are on the inside
1: and the gates yeah. are on the outside. I need to go back just because first I want to... See Chicago again because I have memories yeah, of great a teenager. City. It sometimes happens when I need to go to the West Coast. There, I have options to transit to do this type of layover. And the reason I don't do it is what I just explained. It says yeah, change of terminal. I'm like, oh my god, do I really want to do a change of terminal, right? Yeah. So well, exactly. So, but uh, yeah, I should. I should. I, I think. Is it Chris? Chris, uh, that woman I mentioned earlier on the episode, uh, and uh, who's the one who was also telling me, is it, uh, help Paul decide if it's Geek or AvGeek? Uh, I think you live in Chicago, so maybe. Yes, please tell us, uh. Yeah, give us some more. tips and some uh, maybe good place to have food or your favorite lounge, whatever. And we'll mention in one of our forthcoming episodes and also use them. I think you're, are you not going back at some point, Alex, this year? To Chicago? Yeah probably <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> well well good answer as ever of course me too i want to do it yeah so chris and other guys uh, who, who live there let, let us know if there's anything that we should pay attention to or not or avoid or do because it's a uh, it's an airport that i really have only memories of that's it yeah it's definitely uh, definitely worth exploring both city <laughs> and airport So, uh, talking about, I mean, it was a long episode because we're not going to record next. So, I know you're doing Miami, and then, oh my God, you have so many flights this month.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I'm doing London, Miami, Tampa, London, and then London, Moscow, SVO, DME, Heathrow, and then straight on to a... Dallas flight, then down to Monterey, Mexico, into Miami, then to Heathrow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then at the end of the month, the trip I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to all those. I'm flying on an RJ85 to Dublin and back. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> stay tuned for that because there's
1: a lot more on that one. Yeah, we mentioned it briefly in our previous episode. That's going to be the one to look for. Uh, yeah. As for me, you, I've hinted at it. Uh, so of course, I'm going to, uh, Barcelona tomorrow for work. Uh, although I'm doing to be a little bit of tourism and some good food as well, as always. But then it's my vacation. I'm not revealing where I'm going, uh, because I'm going to be off the grid, but there will be some cool stuff to talk about when I get back from it. And then directly, probably there's in Europe, Athens again. This will be the third time in five weeks yes. and, uh, New York probably. And then right behind asia again so but we will find time yeah we'll find to do we look guys we promised you and that's why we're giving you this time we said a bit extra well i don't know exactly at what uh, uh, end time will be this episode once i edit it but uh, it might be quite long for you to have a little bit extra gravy <laughs> gravy <laughs> <laughs> until next time okay alex uh safe safe, safe flights